0: Politically Incorrect with Kathy Humbarger, where we unpack the headlines, not caring about the woke crowd Democrats left a socialist communist or sell out Republicans. The headlines from the past week include Kevin McCarthy got what he deserved. The House Speaker's short reign is over. He only has himself to blame. Then House Republicans make history by kicking out their own speaker. And Ukraine is freaking out as McCarthy chaos threatens USAID. And, of course, Trump approached about serving as speaker and my very favorite, House Democrats don't plan to save Kevin McCarthy's speakership. In order to make some sense out of these headlines, which appear to be somewhat of a dumpster fire, I've invited my good friend Marlon Stutzman to join us to uh, dig a little deeper. Thanks for being willing to join us, Marlon, and give us a perspective from having been there.
1: Absolutely, Kathy. Always great to be with you. And and what a great description of calling it a dumpster fire.
0: <laughs> well, sometimes we have to call them as we see them. So you've been there before, as I mentioned. And, of course, uh, you're, you're uh, willing to go back and have entered the race for your old seat, representing the 3rd Congressional District in Indiana. First, I have to ask you why a nice guy like you who has a a great family, thriving businesses, everything uh, uh, seemed to be going along smoothly. Why would you want to step back into this cesspool?
1: (laughs) Well, that's a a great question and one that I'm asked frequently after serving (laughs) six years in uh, Congress. And, uh, you know, Kathy, I, I hate to you know, say Washington anymore, because I feel like it, you know, if if President uh, George Washington were alive today, he might take his name back Absolutely. of the best that it is. But, uh, you know, still uh, proud to be an American, proud of our country and the people. Uh, unfortunately, our government just continues to uh, be tone deaf to so many different aspects of our daily lives. You know, whether it's the economy, inflation, uh, there's a new term that I saw earlier uh, today called shrinkflation, where, Mm. uh, you know, we're getting less value for the dollar that we have. And, of course, part of that's inflation. But you're getting less, you know, for more. And uh, then also the national debt, it's just running rampant away from us and it's out of control. And so the insanity in Congress is it's brighter than ever. You know, you asked the question, why would I want to go back? Mm-hmm. I like fixing things, um, Kathy. I, I really do. I, you know, since uh, being back home from uh, Congress back in 2016 was my last year in Washington. Um, you know, we, I grew up on a farm. There's always something to fix on a farm. Uh, we bought some businesses. You know, we started businesses, we bought businesses that were already, in existence, but needed some work. We've purchased properties that needed fix-up, and I enjoy fixing things. and And I'm not saying that I'm going to be the only answer to fixing the problems in Congress, but I want to be a part of the fix. I want to be a part of the solution, and I really believe that common sense from Indiana is is everywhere. Uh, unfortunately, we have these pressures from the you know West Coast and Hollywood. Uh, on our country. We have this lack of leadership in Congress and the White House that uh, is not serving our country well. So that's uh, those are the pieces that I I look at what's happening and the fact that things are getting worse. You have to be there to be able to fix it. Uh, we know it's broken. Unfortunately, Congress doesn't know that it's broken.
0: Well, we're certainly glad that you're willing to go back, Marlon, We need someone at this point in uh, the history of our country that is ready to hit the ground running when you get there, and that certainly describes you. The the, uh, issue that we're talking about today is similar but maybe worse than some of the things that you saw before, but when you get there, you'll already know the players, you'll know who you can trust, and the few that you can trust, probably, and those that um, you can't trust to make good decisions for the folks so we're glad that you're you're willing to go back but let's return to the kevin mccarthy situation and the headlines that i mentioned at the top of our conversation what do you make of this
1: well you you know the this is very new uh to us as the general public as far as a speaker being voted out of his office now John Boehner, who was Speaker of the House while I was there, uh, was stepped down. Now Mark Meadows, who is you know a congressman at the time I was there, and con- uh, Congressman Meadows filed the motion to vacate, but it never came to that because Speaker John Boehner stepped down before we actually had to vote, knowing that the the outcome was likely to be the fate that uh, Kevin McCarthy has now experienced. Uh, There's been a very uh, there's been a real frustration in the Republican Party and in the Republican conference uh, in Washington, in Congress, uh, that uh, our leaders are not as strong as we believe they should be. You know, Mm -hmm. Speaker Boehner was negotiating with President Obama and, of course, uh, Chuck Schumer in the Senate. But we also had Mitch McConnell, who was our leader in the senate and uh, there was a, a deep frustration with both of them mitch mcconnell and john Boehner, that they weren't when we had both the house and the senate that we weren't fighting hard enough we weren't standing strong enough and so this frustration continues to build well then along comes donald trump and he taps into that frustration he's frustrated with how congress is working how the white house is not working um and uh, and, and runs for president and wins And there's, you know, Washington insiders are like scratching their heads trying to figure out, well, how did this happen? I mean, Donald Trump's a complete outsider, you know, like him or not, which I do like him because I know what he's doing in Washington, D.C. He's shaking it up. It needed it badly. We needed a fresh perspective. He has brought that. Uh, Kevin McCarthy did a very good job of, you know, kind of attaching, attaching himself to the Trump train. And as uh, but but at the same time, there were a lot of people who all of a sudden realized Donald Trump is here to stay for a while. And, uh, you know, they quickly, you know, changed their perspective of where things you know, how things had been done. And now they were uh, on uh, Trump's uh, bandwagon. So all of a sudden now. you know we get past the the election of 2022 and we didn't win as many seats as we should have there's plenty of blame to go around you can point to different people who's you know we didn't have the right candidates we didn't have uh you know the right issues the issues were against us well the fact is is we barely had the majority in the house of representatives and kevin mccarthy survived you know he finally made it into the speaker's chair and was the speaker of the house but uh, but as time go, you know, has gone by over this past year, the frustration grew deeper that people tell us they're going to do one thing and then they don't. And, and I think that's what we're the, the common theme that we're hearing out of members of Congress uh, who voted to remove Kevin McCarthy from uh, 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 from the speaker's office, which there were only eight Republicans. But because of the rules that allows, uh, you know, very few people to force that vote and uh, you know so with uh, with the removal of Kevin McCarthy as speaker there the the theme commonly was he told me one thing and this didn't happen I I know that for a fact I personally experienced it as well and um, but you know there's there's a lot of people in Washington that tell you one thing and then they don't do it so you just have to work with that but it, it finally came to a fever pitch Uh, this last week and and now kevin mccarthy is no longer the speaker
0: so he kind of went back to business as usual would that be accurate um business as usual meaning that you negotiate with um, the other party and make concessions and whatnot um, only to be (laughs) burned in the end Um, so i'm thinking that maybe that was where we got instead of standing up and being willing to shut the government down, which everybody thinks that's awful, but we've survived that many times before. Uh, But instead of being willing to play that card, um, McCarthy went back to uh, negotiating with Democrats who do what Democrats do.
1: Yes. And that is definitely, it is a difficult task. I mean, you know, uh, one thing Democrats are very good at doing is they are good at marching in line and lockstep behind their leader. Uh, Republicans—it's like herding cats. Uh, you know, we're we're all independent. We think for ourselves. We, you know, have different ideas. But uh, at the same time, you know, we do have to work together as a team. You know, one of the things that I experienced early on, back in two thousand two, two thousand three, uh, we had a very tight majority in the Indiana State House of Representatives, where I was elected to serve as a state representative, and. A uh, former Speaker of the House, Brian Bosma, had that difficult task of keeping everybody together. And one of the things that I saw him do, that I think is very was was very wise on his part, is you hit the big, you know the the big values, the big principles that the Republican Party stands for, that conservatism stands for. You get those things done, and then you have to go bring along those who are, are moderate, or those who have a real problem on the far. You know the right of the party, compared to those who are centrist. He was able to figure that out and bring people together, and and I think that was the frustration that Republicans had with Kevin McCarthy is that you didn't come to us as right. Republicans to get this passed. You went to the Democrats, and you know it's a he's in a tough spot knowing that Joe Biden is in the White House and that the Senate is run by Democrats. But what you should do is just have that open process. We fought, I fought for that when I was in Congress before, and I'm going to fight for it again, is is let bills, let issues and amendments come to the floor. Even if they fail, it's okay. But at least everybody's on record knowing what the, you know, where people are at on a particular topic, a particular issue. And if it fails, so be it. And I think Mm -hmm. that's, that's something that other members are saying is stop baking the cake and then bringing it to us and forcing us to eat it let us right. be a part of the process which that's what we're supposed to do and most state legislatures operate like that where yeah. even if you don't like the amendment you have to vote for it one and you got to you got to go home and explain it why you voted for it or against it and if if i think if this the leadership especially republican leadership would follow that principle they would find that the team is going to come back together to uh, again and really work together, even if it doesn't go exactly the way they want it.
0: Absolutely. Well, let's return to a point you made a few minutes ago about the small majority that the Republicans hold in the House. That isn't all bad, is it? At least in my opinion, it makes those who are standing for what they know is right to have more leverage maybe than if there was a huge majority. Does that make any sense or what's your opinion?
1: It, it can be. With mm-hmm. the right leader, it can be. And that that's where you know uh, the examples that we have of Brian Bosma at the Indiana uh, uh, House of Representatives versus what happened with Kevin McCarthy at the U.S. House of Representatives. Um, it takes pulling your team together. And saying, "Look, we have to band together. We're not going to get any help from the Democrats. We're not going to get any help from, you know, the president in the White House. We're not going to get help from the Senate. We have to band together." And you know, the old saying that is credited to uh, Benjamin Franklin is that either we hang together or we hang separately. Right. And uh, that's, so that's that's where I think the principle it it really is true. People admire a team that sticks together. And uh, But you have to, the leader, the coach, you know, has to hold the team together. And if they don't hold the team together, they do fall apart. And so it's going to be interesting to see um, what what happens this next week with the election of the new Speaker of the House. You know, the, the two names that are out in front and probably, you know, most likely to be the next Speaker, uh, either Steve Scalise or Jim Jordan. Uh, both of them are, are fine, you know, people. Uh, I Jim Jordan was my mentor when I was in Congress, and uh, and I just admire him tremendously. And uh, in pulling for him, you know, he, he would have my support. Uh, but I know also that Steve Scalise is a, uh, he was a former RSC, the Republican Study Committee chairman, as was Jim Jordan, who uh, has good conservative credentials. But, um, you know, Jim Jordan would make a, a fine Speaker of the House. And I think it's that he's got that fight in him that people are looking for, but he also has the ability to uh, to sit, to explain the position, explain the issue, and bring people on board. You know, he's an old athlete from the uh, University of Wisconsin, even though he's from Ohio, and he knows how to get uh, you know people together on a on a wrestling team. Even though it's an individual sport, you still work together as a team. So I think <laughs> we need a good wrestler as the uh, uh, leader of the House of Representatives right now.
0: Absolutely. Um, did all of this come about? Uh, what what looks to be to us to be complete chaos because of the whole idea of passing yet another continuing resolution. And would you explain the difference between a continuing resolution and the spending process as opposed to passing uh, specific um, uh, spending packages for each different category? I don't know if I said that correctly, Then you understand what I mean, I think.
1: I do. Yeah. So a continuing resolution, it's just it's exactly, you know, it's a continuing budget. You know, whatever the the last budget that was passed, we're just going to continue doing that sort of spending. Well, as we all know, we've been deficit spending for a long time in Washington, in in Congress. And uh, so every time you pass a continuing resolution, uh, it's just going to increase deficit spending. Uh, It'll continue it. So, you know, this is where, Kathy, I served on the Budget Committee uh, when I was in Congress, Mm -hmm. and uh, it's a very cumbersome process. Uh, I don't think it needs to be as cumbersome as it is. You know, I compare a lot of the the ways that Congress works in Washington to the way the state legislature works in Indianapolis. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we're a part time legislature here in Indiana, and -hmm. the budget is is pushing uh, $40 billion in Indiana much, much smaller than the federal budget, but still, you know, it's the same principles. You, 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 we could do a budget in the, in Indianapolis, in the state legislature in four months. Um, You know, we start in January and we're uh, done by the end of April and it's a two year budget. And so those are, those two things are taken into account. So it's not like we can't walk and chew gum at the same time or just actually, you know, chew gum faster or walk faster. One of the two. Mm-hmm. In, in uh, Congress in Washington. So that's where the process is very, uh, it's strung out. And in the current case that we have, we have 12 spending bills. There's authorization uh, uh, legislation that's passed and then there's appropriation. So it's like, okay, we, we pass a bill that says we're going to spend X amount of dollars on the military uh, out of the Armed Services Committee. And then you have the Appropriations Committee coming along with their bill that actually appropriates the money to fund the military. And then, so it, this could be a much better process. Uh, the, that, that was one of the things that myself and other colleagues, Justin Amash, who was in Congress at the time, he was a state legislature, a late state legislator in, in Michigan. A lot of us state, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of us state legislators were bringing those same concepts and uh, ways of operation that happened in our state houses all across the country, to the table and saying why can't we operate like this it's so hard to read a bill in congress because you don't even know what's new language and what language was taken out here in indianapolis it's you have a bill that has if it's new language it's in bold lettering if it's language that's being taken out it's it's got a line through it that's struck if it's language that uh is going to stay it's just your typical fonts and so Mm -hmm. you can understand much easier what's new what's old, what's staying, what's what's being taken out. And we don't have that in Congress. You have to have a room full of attorneys to figure out. And so, you know, when Nancy Pelosi says, well, we have to pass the bill to find out what's in it, she's actually saying the truth a little bit because right. they don't even know. And that's the whole problem with Congress and how it operates. It could be, you know, the very fundamental operational uh, uh, ways that Congress operates needs to be restructured as well but it, that's why you know, as you mentioned it is a dumpster fire but it's been a dumpster fire for a while and it's just coming to a head
0: but in some ways that's not all bad i know there are many who were against uh, what to, what happened with the the uh, speaker being recalled or ousted whatever the correct term is and i get it but at some point something has to be done, and I know there's been criticism that this was done without a plan in place. But gee, many Christmas you can't even uh, get together to pass a, a, a budget, let alone plan to do something like this, and then have a complete plan as to what's going to happen next. What's your yeah. opinion? Is this a good thing or bad thing? Or a little of, both? It,
1: it's well, I would say that it, it's a little of both, but I think it's hard. To, this is the another example. If you try to pre-bake something and force it, it just falls apart. That's why you have to allow the process to to take shape. To you know, for people to say, give their ideas, to express themselves. As hey, I'm interested in being the next speaker of the house, and tell us why you want to be the speaker of the house. Tell us how you're going to manage it differently, mm-hmm. and then let people ask questions. Let people debate. Going back and forth. And unfortunately, you know, back to President Washington's um, farewell address, he always he he, in his farewell address, he warned the country on partisan politics. Mm -hmm. And we see that it's so bad in uh, in Washington, where the Democrat Party is all about politics. The Republican Party for there's greater parts of the Republican Party that are all about politics. They would just rather be in power rather than do the right thing. And, uh, and and so that's where a good speaker, a good leader listens and lets things come to the top. Let the best ideas come to the top. Right. And we have a system in place that allows for that to happen. And, uh, and so I, I am hoping and praying that whoever is the next Speaker of the House uh, you know, l- lets those things, which I do see the character traits uh, in both of the leading candidates, uh, but especially Jim Jordan, I, I just see him and know how he operates. It's like let people voice their opinion, let's vote, and then we'll get the best we'll get the best product, we'll get the best person uh, when it comes to electing who the leadership team is. And so the it, it's not like it's rocket science. <laughs> it's if we would let the system work that was designed by by our founding fathers, it, we would we would we would find ourselves. Getting results and getting to conclusions rather than, you know, the leadership trying to force something down everybody's throat.
0: And a good dose of sunshine on the whole process would certainly be helpful, I think, (laughs) so that all of us could know what's going on. Well, you mentioned Jim Jordan, and most of us know that he is a, a very effective member of the Freedom Caucus, and you were a member of that. Uh, caucus as well. Is uh, Jim Jordan your pick? I know people are lining up be- behind one or the other, and um, you're in a, a a bit of a different situation knowing both of them as well as you do. Um, what's your opinion?
1: Yeah, you know, Jim Jordan would be my pick, and I would support him 100%. Um, uh, you know, he is a, a leader. He, ha- he is principled. You know, he's right across the Indiana-Ohio line in Ohio. So he, he's been to our region uh, mm-hmm. frequently. In fact, his son and daughter-in-law live in Indiana. Oh, really? Uh, yes. So they would have, a, a, you know, he's very familiar with our area. And so he's, he's almost a, a hometown boy for us. Um, and, uh, but, uh, you know, I know there's others that are going to run. Uh, Steve Scalise obviously has a great story to tell. You know, he was shot by a fanatical Democrat out on the baseball field in uh, you know, the suburbs of Washington a couple of years ago. And as a survivor, he's a fighter. Um, so, you know, I, I think he's got a great um, a story to tell and, and is is will explain, you know, how he'll do, do things differently. But, uh, you know, my support is fully behind Jim Jordan um, because of uh, I just know him as a as a person and I know his faith is strong. I know that he is a, a fighter and he just comes from that um, a, that world of, hey, you know what? We we treat people right when they're doing right. Those who are doing wrong and want to hurt this country, we're going to defend our country against those, um, those sort of forces. So uh, I'm pulling for him. But I think in the long run, uh, the Republican Party is going to be better off in a much better situation uh, going through this process, even though it's kind of like, Ugh, do we have to? But I think. This will make us a stronger party uh, after next week.
0: Well, a healthy dose of um, Midwest wisdom and and, uh, insight would probably be very much in order about now. And it sounds like Jim Jordan is the one that would be most likely to protect the values that we hold dear here in the Midwest and, and in other parts of the country as well. So that would be someone and both of them, as you said, you know, but you've worked closely with uh, Representative Jordan. What would it look like when you go back? Not, uh, it's not an everyday occurrence uh, when someone's been in in uh, the Congress and then um, is, is in the private sector for a while and then goes back. So explain to us what that would look like. And uh, I know that there are some distinct advantages Uh, At this point, as I mentioned earlier, in someone going back who is ready to uh, take up the fight from the very first day.
1: Yeah. Well, as you mentioned, you know, Midwest leadership uh, there, the earlier part of your comments uh, is true. I mean, you look at the uh, the, our great president, Abraham Lincoln from Illinois, who held our country together uh, through the Civil War. Uh, you, Indiana has, uh, I believe it's seven, counting now, seven uh, vice presidents from Indiana. Uh, Benjamin Harrison is our only president, but uh, we've we've been at the leadership table in a variety of ways. And I think it's just the Midwestern principles and Midwestern values that uh, are so needed in, in Washington. Um, you know, for me, I have, uh, you know, that experience in being in Congress and knowing Knowing the ropes, knowing, you know, I still know a lot of the players there, a lot of the people that were there. Kevin McCarthy was there, of course, when I was there, Jim Jordan, uh, Steve Scalise, Patrick McHenry. Uh, You know, I I ran for the Senate in 2016. Uh, I lost in the primary. So, you know, I was free to come home, and which uh, I did. Christy and I came back. You know, we were raising our two boys. Uh, Both of our boys were happy to be back home full time uh, here in Indiana. Uh, Peyton's graduated and now is at Liberty University. Uh, Preston is a senior in high school this year. So, you know, it was a good thing for our family to have that period of time to, you know, to to be at home for the boys' sake. Uh, but they're both ready now to move on and and fight their own fights in life. And uh, they both have an interest in what's going on in Washington and Indianapolis as well. So, um, you know, I I just feel like this is the time, I, I've still got the fire in me to fight for our country. Knowing the players, knowing the the process, having that experience out there is a good thing. And I think that my record has shown that I'm not, uh, I, I don't get caught up in the swamp. I, you know, a lot of people who leave Congress, they end up being lobbyists. They end up being, right. you know, Washington creatures. And uh, that's not me. You know, I, I was happy to come back home, work on the farm, Build businesses and in uh, you know uh, create jobs. Uh, that's something that I've really enjoyed. Uh, it's very rewarding to me to see um, you know a business that grows and creates jobs to support Indiana families and uh, and to create um, new opportunities here. And so, but with that experience, especially through COVID over the past several years, and through inflation and the challenges in the economy, those are experiences that I can draw from. Go back to Congress and say, look. This is what people are doing, you know, are dealing with back home. This is the difficulties and the hardship that have been created by bad policy. This is why we need to fight for freedom. We need to fight for the opportunities that, that many of us have had that, uh, that has made America great. And so those are the stories that I'm anxious to take back and the wisdom that I've learned over the past several years to make mm-hmm. sure we fix Washington and fix the problems and not just kick them down the road. We can't any longer.
0: And of course, you know what it's like to meet payroll uh, and how to manage businesses that fall on hard times, how to solve problems. You're not the uh, elected official that has never earned money other than from a government position. And I think that is extremely important. And I think that's what the founders intended, not to have people whose whole life is uh, being a congressman or a senator, a senator maybe more so than congressman, but still, um, th- I think it was a foreign idea back when the the founders were writing the Constitution that anybody would want to make this a career.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I mean John Adams was one that was you know quick to go back to his home and farm in Massachusetts. Uh, George Washington loved going to Mount Vernon. Thomas Jefferson love to go back to monticello um and you know those those are all great examples of the ones that i admire because that's we need to go back home to the real to our real lives and um and that's what i i intended to continue to do is to um to, to make sure that we're staying in touch and keeping our roots at home rather than planting roots in in washington that's not what our fed, our founding fathers ever intended and uh, and you know what? There's plenty of lawyers in Washington. We don't need more lawyers. Right. I be, lawyers are they play an important role, but we have too many in Washington already. And uh, I think we need people who you know have made payroll, have you know had to be an employee, have had to work for others. Right. Uh, one thing I know as a as a restaurant owner is that uh, uh, I answer to our our customers, and mm-hmm. you know I make sure that uh, we serve them. And that's the thing that I think is missing so much in uh, Congress and Washington today, Kathy, is that servant leadership is is not as prevalent as it should be. We should be serving others rather than thinking of ourselves and taking advantage of the system. Look at what look what happened with Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. They have they have created wealth for their family off of the political government process. That's not how anybody no one should become rich off of being in office. Uh, it should be by working hard building a business and that's where american opportunities should be at rather than uh, uh, people becoming wealthy from being a politician
0: absolutely and all of us uh, that take uh, the the whole process seriously understand how important it is for the spouse of the elected official being committed and holding the same values and it goes without saying, but I don't want it left unsaid that there is no one that I know of who uh, would fill that role better than your wife, Christy.
1: <laughs> Christy is uh, amazing. She is passionate about the freedom that we have in America. She's passionate the about book. the. Oh yes, she. So she wrote a book about it. Um, you know, and and you know, folks, your listeners can be looking for her book. It's called the. Uh, the spiritual price of political silence. And uh, and when we're quiet, and that's one thing people want, you know, if they can get you to be quiet, then they can govern, they can rule over you. And uh, that's why it's important for us to speak up, to speak out, because so many people agree. Once you speak up, those, those biblical principles, those conservative principles, many people say, yes, that's what I agree with, but you have to speak up. And Christy, uh, it feels so strongly and passionately about this that she she wrote about this uh, in her book. And so I I'm proud of her. She has been a constant support for me and it uh, and has served in her own right uh, as a state legislator before down in Indianapolis. But uh, she likes to um, she's a writer and she likes to help uh, explain things to people on processes. And so she's been such a, a huge support for me and a, a big help. And I, I couldn't be more proud
0: of her. And a good friend of mine as well. Before I let you go, Marlon, I have to ask you if this headline is a joke or what you think about it. Trump approached about serving as speaker. (laughs) What do you think?
1: Well, there's there's always going to be some members uh, of Congress that maybe mention something tongue in cheek. And then there's always going to be a media uh, outlet that jumps on it and, and tries to make it sound like it's a serious proposition. Uh, you know, I'm sure there's a couple of members that who are big Trump supporters think that that's a good idea uh, or, you know, made the suggestion. But but frankly, uh, I think it's it's more important for him to be running for president and to win the White House. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and he obviously has endorsed and supported Jim Jordan for the speaker's office. Uh, right. But I, I think that uh, you know, there's some wishful thinking by some people. It would definitely uh, make for interesting uh TV. But um, but I think in all seriousness, you know, him being the next president of the United States is is of of utmost importance. And then, uh, of course, electing a a strong conservative uh, for the speaker is is next. And so he he's obviously involved. But um, I think that some people are having some fun with it as uh, uh, under the current situation. And so, you know, it's always good to have uh, you got to have to laugh at some of this stuff, otherwise it'll drive you crazy. Well,
0: even for Donald Trump. I think he has a pretty full plate without even thinking about adding um, the role of Speaker of the House. So we'll see how all of that plays out. Uh, He certainly has the ability to juggle a lot of plates more than I do, but uh, I think he has his work cut out for him for the next few months, and we'll see where all of that goes. Thank you so much for spending time with us, uh, Marlon, to help us understand a little bit more about what's going on and i think at the end of the day uh, if we want to boil it all down it has looked like a dumpster fire felt like a dumpster fire and smelled like a dumpster fire but good can come out of it would that be a good analysis
1: yeah and you know i mean our country is approaching now goodness says 250 years um and, uh, and I think that uh, as we, we look back, there have been huge challenges uh, throughout our history. I mean, and, you know, uh, I'm so thankful and proud to be an American and, and want to keep America great and want to, you know, keep America's values and core principles uh, that based on our founding documents and based on Christian Judeo principles, that's what makes America great. And uh, but uh, it is worth fighting for and it's it's worth fixing. It's not it's not the uh, the old house that needs to be torn down. It's the house that we all need to get together and need to fix it back.
0: Absolutely. And as we navigate through the next few months and run up to the 2024 elections, will you come back and and help us make sense of what's going on from your perspective of knowing the system and how it works?
1: Absolutely. Would be happy to do it.
0: Great. Thank you so much for joining us, Marlon Stutzman, former con- con- congressman for representing Indiana's third district, and soon to be returning congressman if everything comes out the way we are planning for uh, uh, the 2024 election. Thank you so much for joining us and um, all the best on the campaign trail.
1: Thank you, Kathy. Great to be with you today.
0: God bless.